Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for joining me and hope you're all doing well out there in Bulls Nation. Firstly, apologies that there was no podcast last week. I ran into uh, a few medical issues, I guess, that kept me away from, I guess, watching the Bulls in real time as well as covering the team from a podcasting perspective. So I wasn't able to get out a show last week, so forgive me in advance, but at the same time, it's probably not a bad thing given that there hasn't been a ton of news to actually discuss here with the Chicago Bulls, and that's pretty much because the team is actively tanking to a point where I didn't really expect them to be doing so. So we've seen Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and Larry Markman basically missing games, and they've, I guess, been missing those games due to injury, but I, I guess we could que- could question how significant those injuries are. So marketing is having those back spasm issues that I guess have been troubling him throughout his first rookie season, I guess. Chris Dunn stubbed his toe. He's got a bit of a turf toe, so he's out as well. I wonder how bad that is. It could be, it could be, I guess, serious. It could be an actual injury that would keep him out of a real competitive game. But at the same time, Given the stakes, it probably does make sense to rest him. And, and with Zach Levine as well, the reports were that he will be out for five to seven days at minimum with tendonitis in his knees, which is a little bit concerning, I guess, given his history with the ACL. But at the same time, I do question how significant that injury is. And if it was a, a competitive game with something actually on the line, would he actually be able to play in that game? So... Uh, I mean, all three of those guys are injured per se. They're on the injured list and, and they very well could be injured. But at the same time, it certainly does make sense to have them sit out the games given what, given what's at stake here with the, with the draft pick and these sorts of things. But at the same time, it, it is kind of surprising to be seeing the Bulls resting those guys or having them in, on the injured list given uh, that the team was pretty adamant that they were about developing these types of players uh, towards the back end of the season. So... It's kind of been a shame that we won't get to see any more of Dunn, Levine, and Markinen together as a core, or at least I'm assuming that. It doesn't probably make sense at this point with nine games left in the season to rush any of those three back to, to have them play some minutes together. It probably doesn't make sense to do so given how few games are left, but it does leave somewhat of a hollow feeling knowing that those three together this season as a core haven't really functioned that well on the court together and knowing that they won't get an opportunity really to play together towards the end of this season it it kind of does leave it leave a few open questions for that core unit moving into next season and just how viable it is and I I guess the reason for that is of of course Zach Levine's contract um, situation which I don't really want to discuss in length right now given that we've still got probably three more months of talking about his next contract, so it probably doesn't make sense to cover that now, but having these sorts of open questions ahead of Zach Levine's free agency, you would have, you would have hoped that some of them would have been answered, and answered pretty categorically, but that hasn't necessarily been the case, and even with Chris Dunn, we, we saw him play really well through that December and January stretch, but after coming back from concussion, he sort of regressed in his play as well, so... There's been some questions around these three as a unit and, and, and the advanced metrics point out to a team that or a, a three-man unit at least that hasn't necessarily functioned very well together. Obviously, there's a lot of variables that go into that. But yeah, like I said, I would have liked to have seen these guys play a little bit more down the stretch. But having said that, the reason they're not out there most likely, apart from these little niggling injuries that they do have, is the fact that the Bulls are 
tanking and uh, tanking at an epic proportion, which I, I just didn't expect them to be doing, to be honest with you. And I question whether they need to be doing this. Um, and, and what I mean by that is if they had sort of maybe taken a, uh, a more subtle tanking approach a little bit earlier in the season, maybe even before the All-Star break, would they need to be playing these tanktastic lineups that feature Cameron Payne, Jerry and Grant, Paul Zipser, Noah Vonley and Cristiano Felicio? Obviously, that's the right thing to do now, given the uh, the stakes and, and the Bulls are currently in, in equal seventh place on the tank ladder there. And the fact that they need to make up ground. So it, it kind of makes sense that they have to play these terrible units and try to lose as many games as possible. But at the same time, I, I do wonder if there could have been a middle-of-the-road a middle of the road approach or, or a blended approach where if they started things a little bit sooner and maybe had racked up a few losses in, in advance or earlier, would, would they have had to go on to these drastic measures that we're sort of seeing at the moment, which have pretty made or pretty much made Bulls basketball at the, at the moment pretty unwatchable. So going back to my original point about the, the fact there was no podcast last week, it probably made sense that there didn't need to be one. And the players that we're probably most invested in, Markinen, Dunn, and Levine, those guys haven't really been appearing in games over the last week or so. So there hasn't been a ton to talk about. And I guess what we have been seeing from the Bulls on the court is the lesser names, the role players, if you like, these guys have been sort of elevated into probably positions that they're not ready for or probably likely will never be ready for. And they've effectively been given uh, developmental minutes, if you want to call it that. But um, they're playing in roles at the moment and getting touches in situations which they'll probably never actually get in a competitive game. So I'm not too sure how valuable these minutes are that we're actually seeing from guys like Denzel Valentine and Noel Vonley and Cristiano Felicio, etc. But at the same time, I guess we do have to acknowledge that these guys, in spurts at least, have played pretty well, uh, particularly Denzel Valentine. And if I think back to that Cavaliers game where I think he had that 32-point effort, or it could have even been more, but I know he had eight threes. That was just, a, I guess, a, a terrific Denzel Valentine game, probably his game of his career, really. And it's, I guess, a fleeting moment in what has been a pretty tough stretch here to be a Bulls fan. So the team is coming off a five-game losing streak after I record this game straight after the Detroit Pistons loss, where it was a pretty non-competitive game from the get-go, really. So it's been tough actually being fully committed and invested to this team at the moment. And I guess because of that and knowing the situation... I do question, or or maybe better put, I do wonder how valuable these minutes actually are for guys like Valentine, Felicio, Payne, Portis, etc. And, and I guess what I'm getting at is the fact that they're not really playing competitive games where the results actually actually matter. Obviously, the Bulls are not trying to win games. That's become pretty pretty clear based on their lineup constructions. And they're often playing against a lot of teams that uh, aren't necessarily trying to win either. So even though Denzel Valentine's averaging 18 points over his last five games, how much of that is really transferable into next season and beyond? And similar thing with Cristiano Felicio. His offense has been a lot better of late. He's even leading the team in scoring in a lot of these games at the moment. He's averaging 13 points and eight rebounds over his last five games, shooting the ball over 60%. From the field, so you look at those numbers and they look pretty healthy. But again, he's playing in situations where he's probably never going to really play, if we're being honest. And he's playing in the fourth quarter. He's playing to start the games at center. Is is that something that's going to be Felicio's roles next season? Probably not. And he's playing with lineups where guys aren't 
actively making him better, I guess. So is he really developing in these moments? Maybe, maybe he is. And maybe I'm just being overreacting or overreacting a little bit here and, and suggesting that maybe there's not much to gain for these players in these moments, even though they are getting, uh, I guess, an extended look, which they probably otherwise wouldn't be. There probably is some element of development going on, but really, I would have liked to have seen Felicio get some minutes with Larry Markner and Chris Dunn or something of that nature where you're developing the better players like Markner and Dunn and Levine even, but Felicio can learn to play off those guys as a, as a unit, but instead he's playing next to Von, uh, Noah Vonley and playing in a unit with Cameron Payne where these guys are closing fourth quarters in situations that they're not really ever going to be in beyond this season, I guess. So, I don't know. I don't know how to judge their performances based on that. Like I, like I said, Denzel Valentine putting up career numbers, but is, the, is should we have faith in that moving forward that all of a sudden next season is going to be a much better scorer given that his scoring volumes at the moment are looking pretty healthy? Obviously, someone needs to shoot the ball for the balls at the moment, and Valentine has certainly been doing that. And, and to his credit, he's been making this shot, so he deserves some props for that. But like I said... I'm having a tough time evaluating these players based on what's going on right now and assuming that um, that this will carry over in, in, into next season and beyond. And I think what's making this difficult as well is comparing how they're playing now versus how you know someone like Chris Dunn has played earlier in the season or how Markkinen has played earlier in the season. If we if, and, and what I mean by that is if we wanted to do a bit of a comparison between Chris Dunn and campaign and the way those two guys have played, or even campaign and Jerry and Grant, is it a like-for-like comparison given that so much has changed in the dynamics around the team and in terms of what they're actually trying to achieve? And if you think back to December and January, that team was uh, playing on a different level. They are obviously trying to compete and trying to win as many games as they could, and, and, and Chris Dunn was a big part of that. And when I look at someone like Cameron Payne at the moment who's playing in a much different situation, though putting up some really nice numbers as the starting point guard, can we even do a bit of a comparison between how those guys have played based on, on the, the, the external variables that have gone into those situations? So I, I don't know the answers to those questions. I guess I could be persuaded either way. And I think they're pretty open-ended questions given the state of the team at the moment. And to my point, I guess that's made watching this team a little bit difficult at the moment. So, yeah, I don't really know what we're going to learn over the last nine games of the season. And I guess there probably isn't too much to learn. So, really, as fans, all we could be hoping for at this point is just some losses. We're probably not going to see the guys that we received back in the Butler deal for the rest of the season. So, if that's the case, all we really should be aiming for or rooting for at this point is for losses, given that the Bulls are tanking hard. And... There has been some progress in the tank itself and I've been pretty adamant in the sense that I thought the tank was dead and and the team had really no viable shot out of moving from, I guess, the ninth position where where they were situated last time I recorded a podcast. But after that Detroit Pistons loss and and with results around them, the Bulls have moved into seventh position in the tankathon standings. So that's pretty good considering I thought the fact that this team was sort of locked into ninth there. They've jumped back into seventh with crucial losses to the Knicks, which helped out. And the Knicks um, having some results where they actually won some games probably helped out the Bulls there as well. And the same thing with the Kings. The Kings have actually been winning some games of late. They're 5-5 five and five over their last 10. So that has certainly helped the Bulls go back down to seven. And as it stands at the moment, they're only one game behind the Brooklyn Nets for sixth and 
The important thing to note there is the Bulls actually play the Nets two more times over the, the final nine games of the season. So that's going to be pretty crucial. And I do wonder if there is a slight chance here that the Bulls could actually get back into the top six, maybe even the top five. And like I've mentioned, they're only one game behind the Brooklyn Nets, but they're really only a game and a half behind the Dallas Mavericks for fifth as well. And and Orlando, who's sitting in the fourth at the moment, who the Bulls do play towards the end of the season, they're only about uh, two games behind or in front, I guess I should say, uh, from the Bulls at the moment for fourth. So maybe I was bit, maybe I was a bit uh, a bit pig-headed there and a bit wrong in, in suggesting that the Bulls had no chance of moving up from ninth. And just quietly, they've sort of got me back into the tank race where they could justifiably finish in that five to six range. Obviously, there's still a lot to be played out, and those games against the Nets, those two games, as well as the game against the Orlando Magic, that's probably going to ultimately decide where the Bulls do finish in the tank race, but there is a slight chance here that the Bulls could even jump up from 7th into maybe 5th or 6th, so that's what we should be hoping for, those increased odds of getting a top 3 pick, but even if a top 3 pick doesn't materialize, having a pick 5 or pick six is obviously much better than having pick seven, eight, or nine. So that's pretty much what we should be rooting for towards the close of the season. And all of a sudden, it's become a little bit more manageable or achievable where the Bulls could actually get into that top five. So fingers crossed. Let's hope the Bulls can do that. And their next game is against the Houston Rockets. So that's pretty much a um, a loss you can, you can chalk up there. And then the, straight after the Houston game on Friday, they will have a game on the road against the Miami Heat. So probably another loss there to the Bulls, extending their losing streak to seven before they actually face the Orlando Magic on the road. So it's going to be an interesting week coming up because there's some pretty critical games here in terms of the tank. So the Houston game and the Miami Heat game should be losses, so we should bank them as losses. But that that our Friday night game, a back to back game against the Orlando Magic, that one's going to be pretty crucial as well. So that result of the Orlando game could ultimately de- determine, in part, along with those Brooklyn Nets games, which sort of happened from April seventh to April nine. They're actually pretty much back to back to back games in terms of the schedule. They'll face the Nets straight after in games eighty and eighty one. Those three games will pretty much determine the Bulls' fate and we'll see what happens. But if they can chalk up some L's there and maybe they won't close the season with uh, a 15-game losing streak or something crazy like that. But if they were to end the season with maybe one or two more wins from here on out and and, maybe six to seven or even eight losses as we sort of head towards the end of the season, that will put the Bulls at around a 25 to 26 wins on the season, which... In seasons past, that's pretty much good for a bottom five record. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case here this season, given how many teams are tanking towards the bottom. And and I could imagine a lot of teams are going to really ramp up their tank towards the close of the season here. But based on what we've seen in the past, if you end the season with 25 or 26 wins, it's almost guaranteed or pretty close to, to being a top five or a bottom five record, I guess. So... There is a chance here for the Bulls to to make some ground here in the tank race. So that's really all we have left to play for over the closing nine games. And with news that the Memphis Grizzlies have signed former Bulls guard Marquise Teague to actually spearhead their tank, it'll be interesting to see how much the Bulls actually sort of ramp up their own tank over the final two weeks. So 
if you think about what the Grizzlies or the, the extent that the Grizzlies are going towards to actually solidify their tank, and I do wonder if the Bulls have some more tanktastic lineups that they're going to roll out there, some lineups that we haven't necessarily seen all season that they're going to play just to close this season on to ensure that they get the best pick possible. But yeah, it should be uh, an entertaining couple of weeks. And I, I say entertaining with air quotes, obviously. You don't really need to be paying attention to these games. And something I've been trying to do but haven't necessarily uh, have done well at the moment is not watching the games live and, and catching them on lead pass later on. I haven't done it this weekend. I actually watched both games live, which is kind of weird to do, but... Something I've been doing at the moment is actually just letting the games go and watching them in, in replay thereafter. And the reason being is just makes more for efficient timing. I mean, if you have to watch the game for whatever reason, that's what I would suggest doing rather than actually watching it live. I'd catch a replay maybe later on where the game has been reduced in terms of timing. Or if you do happen to have league pass like I do, uh, you may watch a replay of the game later on where it cuts out all the ads and these sorts of things. And if you have to, I guess, put yourself through these final nine games, I definitely recommend doing that. It's been, or it makes watching the game a lot more efficient, which I guess is probably a better use of time if you have to watch the games at all. It's, and to be honest with you, you probably don't need to watch the games at all. But uh, it's just a little bit of a recommendation out there for you guys because that's something I've been doing. And um, I've definitely noticed the uh, the uptick in my productivity just in my general day as well as my mental state as well. I've much more happier, which um, I, w- I wonder if there is a direct correlation there between watching less time of Bulls basketball. There, there, there probably is, but <laughs> move, moving on, uh, apart from, I guess, my uh, psychoanalyzing my uh, commitment to this team, I guess another reason why I didn't come at you guys with a, another Bulls HQ episode last week was that there probably hasn't been a lot to discuss really from a, an NCAA tournament perspective either, given a lot of the top prospects in this draft have pretty much exited the tournament almost after the first round, really. If you, if you think about the guys that are sort of projected to be at the top of this draft, we barely saw anything from DeAndre Ayton, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Miles and Bridges, these two guys didn't really hang around much in this tournament either, and when they did play, it wasn't necessarily, uh, I guess, jaw-dropping performances. So that was kind of disappointing. At the same time, we barely saw Michael Porter. Trey Young was pretty much out after the first round. Muhammad Bamba was not impressive at all. So there hasn't been a lot we've actually seen from the guys at the at the top of the draft to actually really concern ourselves with. And I don't know if we've actually learned too much more about these guys than what we already knew. And I guess that's kind of disappointing as well because if, like me, if you were hoping March Madness would sort of replace your, your basketball time here instead of watching the Bulls, you would have been hoping to see some of these guys going deep into the rounds here and getting a better look at what they could be as, as NBA players. But we've, we've sort of missed out on that opportunity given that these guys have sort of exited the tournament already. So we've really only got Marvin Bagley and I guess Wendell Carter and, and Michael Bridges really to, to take a look at. There's a couple other guys on the periphery who may be of interest with the Pelicans pick, but given that the Pelicans keep winning and that pick sort of keeps extending itself past 20, I think it's currently sitting at 21 or 22, somewhere in that range. We're not really talking about top-line prospects there either. So in terms of the tournament and sort of projecting that forward from a Bulls perspective, there hasn't really been much to, I guess, take away from that itself. And for me, being an international fan who I guess doesn't really have a connection to Chicago outside of the, the Chicago Bulls, 
Uh, you know, it's not like I can get behind like uh, Loyola at the moment and the stuff they're doing. While whilst I obviously you know, think it's incredible what they're actually doing and the run that they've had, I I don't necessarily have that emotional connection to that team, given I'm not from Chicago. So for me, this this tournament or this this March Madness per, uh, period for me, even though there's been some crazy stories, I, I have I've been kind of disappointed in myself because I've been looking at it from a bull's lens and. I haven't really necessarily learnt anything new about these prospects, which is, I guess, kind of disappointing. So, basically, I'm just whinging now about my last few weeks as as a Bulls fan. That the, the product on court hasn't been great. The main three players that I wanted to watch develop over the close of the season haven't been playing, and the tank has been ramped up to a level which I did not expect. And when you pull all that together and the fact that March Madness, for me at least, has been a bit, little bit of a disappointment knowing what I've uh, what I've just outlined there, my last few weeks haven't been too too fun. So uh, sorry for, for projecting all of that onto you guys. I apologize in advance. But something I did want to talk about before I close this podcast is probably going to be a short one because, like I said, there's not a lot to discuss at the moment. But Something I did want to discuss for sure is something I wrote up on Bloggable this week about the expectations of this season and if we can consider this season a success. And what I was, I guess, hinting at in that article that I wrote was thinking back to our expectations, maybe before the season or even when the Bulls were 3-20, and and just individually thinking what we all wanted to achieve from this season. And I guess what we wanted to see was the development of our players uh, which I think has definitely happened this season, as well as getting a top three pick. And that were pretty much our expectations heading into the season. And when the Bulls were 3-20, and 20, and we had pretty much not won a lot of games, but we had seen some signs or some flashes there from Larry Markin, and Chris Dunn had sort of started to return and was showing signs as well. We hadn't seen Zach Levine necessarily, but we were getting a sense of what these players could be whilst also having hopes of getting a top five pick. I'm wondering if we can consider this season a success based on those expectations that I think we had, which were definitely justifiable at the time. Obviously, the Bulls went on to win seven in a row and started winning more games quite frequently once Nikola Mirotic came back, which I guess changed the dynamics of the season and made it more about collecting wins than um, necessarily tanking, as I sort of alluded to earlier in the podcast. The, the team definitely wasn't trying to lose at the same rate that other teams were earlier in the season. But coming back to our expectations and, and, and our hopes of having a top three pick, let's say, as well as seeing some some um, key signs of development from our players, has this season really met our expectations? And, and can we keep can we consider it a success from that, that standpoint? And I think some people will hear me say that and will misconstrue what I'm trying to what I'm trying to put out there. So I think from a developmental perspective, you can definitely say this season has been a success and I would definitely agree to that. Guys like Larry Markin and Chris Dunn, I think have definitely exceeded my expectations. I'm pretty sure most people would feel the same. Bobby Portis and Denzel Valentine have certainly exceeded my expectations. Whilst I thought they could be okay players, maybe potential role players down the line for the Bulls, I think they've pretty much cemented that to be fact. Um, as we move forward into the, the next few seasons, at, at at a minimum, I think you could you could project Bobby Portis to be a good six-man, first big off the bench type guy. I don't think he's going to be a starting setter or, or a starting power forward caliber player, but I think he definitely has a role on a decent team. 
And I think you could say something similar with, with uh, Denzel Valentine. He could be probably a seventh or eighth man for a team, maybe the third or fourth wing in a rotation. Probably not a starter, and I know he sees himself as a starter, but he's probably not that in my opinion. But that doesn't make him a an in, ineffective player or someone that's not worthy of, of hanging around on the roster. So we have seen development from those guys. We've also seen uh, development from someone like David Nwaba, and, and even Cameron Payne has come back now and played some really good basketball. So from a developmental perspective, I guess you could consider this season a success. But what I was trying to suggest in that piece that I wrote on Bloggable was, based on our expectations of this season, can it be considered a success? And I guess based on that reality, I, I don't think it can be when you just focus on what we had hoped for when we were 3-20. and 20. Obviously, things change between now and then, or that point and now. But at the same time, we had those expectations. And if the Bulls, for whatever reason, do finish with the eighth pick, how much does that slant your view of the success of this season? And I guess it's an open-ended question. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's not a universal answer where we could get a an answer that I guess everyone agrees to. It, it really comes down to the individual and how they feel about adding the eighth pick to guys like Levine, Dunn, and Markkinen. Some people may see that situation and be overly happy with that. I'm, I'm thinking purely and squarely about my friend there, CBE Fred. I'm sure he looks at this situation where he sees someone like Larry Markkinen, Zach Levine, and Chris Dunn as a core unit where you're really happy with and adding the eighth pick as an example is just, a, I guess, the sweetener that you need to, to make this rebuild a success. But that's one viewpoint, and it's a viewpoint that everyone's, I guess, worthy to have I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong for having that viewpoint but at the same time I think it's also fair to say that this season hasn't necessarily been a roaring success if you bring it back down to the expectations of what we were hoping for this season if like me you were hopeful of having a top three pick to go along with the development of these players you're probably not feeling that great at the moment and like I said there's still time in the tank race so maybe things change but Working under the assumption that the Bulls stay in eighth, are you feeling great about this situation? And and personally, as I wrote, I would kind of leave a hollow feeling for me if the Bulls were to have the pick eight after year one of the rebuild and in what's likely to be only a one-year rebuild in, in terms of one year where they're actively trying to lose games to the extent that they are at the moment. So that's something I wanted to talk about or at least put on the agenda because it's something we need to discuss a little bit more widely as a, a Bulls fan base. And I think it's a worthy discussion to have now as the, as the season comes to a close. And particularly after the Bulls uh, season is finished and we do know where they sort of sit in terms of odds for a top pick, I, th- I think it is a worthy discussion to have. And we can obviously consider this season a success in certain facets, but I think we'd also be lying to ourselves if we think back to our expectations and I'm sure even the most optimistic Bulls fans were hoping for a top pick. If that was your expectation, I I, I do question or, or wonder why that element of the season should be considered a success. So it's just something I wrote about obviously and it's something I wanted to talk about or just ask the question to everyone and let me know what you think about that. Uh, I got some feedback on the article um, there was definitely some good conversation up there on Bloggable about that piece. And I don't, like I said, I don't think there is necessarily a right or wrong answer. And there's certainly not a universal answer. And coming towards 
uh, an answer where everyone can agree is pretty much impossible. So I know that upfront, but at the same time, I'm interested to hear from everyone what they think about that that premise. And it's likely determined by how you feel about the prospects already on the roster. But just to, re- to reiterate that point, if you did have expectations of a top three pick or a top five pick, whatever it may be, and the Bulls do happen to finish with the eighth pick, how do you view this season? Would it meet your expectations? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure what the right answer is, but hit me up. Let me know, and I'd be interested to hear from everyone there on Twitter, um, at MKHoops, where you can follow me there. And I'd like to hear your answer on that one, because I think, like I said, it's it's an interesting discussion to have as we head towards the close of the season. But that really brings me to the close of this episode. I don't want to bang on any more about this team, given uh, there is not a whole lot to be discussing, and I don't want to be uh, filling your earbuds with a, a bunch of drill about this team. And I've gone on for half an hour, and that's probably long enough. And that's probably the shortest I've ever done a podcast on the Bulls for. And I guess that reflects the state of the franchise right now. It's obviously not a, an inspiring time right now as we head towards the close of the season. Like I said, only nine games left, and really all we can do is hope for losses with these uh, terrible lineups that the Bulls are throwing out there but I'll keep it this podcast towards 30 minutes because there's not a ton of talked about and I don't know if I'll be back next week like I've said there's not a lot to talk about at the moment so it probably makes sense to maybe move my schedule around to a podcast every two weeks now given that there isn't a heap to talk about maybe if something does break some news does happen or if Lowry and Dunn and Levine all return or or whatever the news item might be if there's something actually worth discussing I might jump back on next week but otherwise I I might move my schedule out to two every two weeks and um that may make sense given that probably the lack of interest in the balls at the moment. So if you don't hear from me next Monday, you'll definitely hear from me the Monday after. But um, for all of our sanity, let's move it out to two weeks. And if for whatever reason you guys want to see, or want to hear rather, a weekly podcast, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to move this thing out to two weeks. But who knows? I, I told myself I wouldn't be watching too many live Bulls games. And here I was spending my weekend actually sitting down and watching Bulls games. So... I can say one thing, but my actions necessarily don't follow. But enough babbling for this episode. Thank you all for joining me, and I'll catch you all again next time. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.